guitars rain soul around. Turn up the dial, kick back, we're freedom bound. So pack up your bags and throw me the key. Welcome to episode 26 of Women of the Wiggins, where the men aren't the only ones with stories from the Wiggin Trail. I'm your host, Cass Patterson. And I'm excited for this episode. So I'm going to tell a little bit of a backstory. I started listening to this podcast called Horse Poor, and I was so excited and I was just loving the conversations that were happening. And so last year when I got sick at the very beginning of the year, I like binge listened to the podcast and it was so good. And so I reached out to these ladies and we talked a little bit about possibly doing like a crossover or collaboration. So a year goes by and then I do an interview with Katrina and in the episode me and Katrina talk about this podcast and that sparked this whole next series of events where that original conversation finally came to fruition and I was able to get the horse poor girls on to Women of the Wagons. So no, it is not technically connected to wagon racing. But the whole reason that I wanted to do this kind of crossover collaboration is because it's interesting to learn from other sports and it's interesting to like pull ideas from each other and to live in this collaborative world. Um, If you go look at like hockey, hockey pulls some ideas from different associations within the professional sport world and then they make it their own. And it's just this, it's this ongoing cycle that you see a lot of different businesses, groups, organizations do. So I thought it was really important that we maybe bring that into this Western world and we have these conversations. So I got to sit down with these ladies and we spent an hour and a half, almost two hours talking. You're not going to hear the whole conversation because again, there were quite a few times where we just broke out laughing because these girls are a riot. But It's really exciting to, you know, learn from them, talk to them, to hear their insights on our sport, for them to share their insights on their sport. Because, well, we've heard a lot about barrel racing on Women of the Wagons, because a lot of women involved in the wagons have been involved in barrels. So we're also going to learn a little bit about that sport, and we're going to fill in some blanks that, you know, for me, were there originally. So without further ado, here's my interview with the Horse Poor Girls. So I guess let's start off with, I guess, introducing each of you, but there's three of you. So I'm going to kind of let you introduce yourself because I really enjoy listening to you guys introduce yourself. It's one of my favorite parts. Um, (laughs) So you actually like our intros? I love your intros. They're my favorite. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) We're like, do people actually listen to these or are they just dumb? Do they just skip them all? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Our last one, the one that we released on Tuesday was a little ridiculous. We had a little bit of egg on. I was laughing the whole time I was editing it. So I'm like, okay, well, it'll be good. It's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) I mean, it's better than talking to yourself, which is what I do. And then I laugh at myself and I'm pretty sure people get annoyed with it. So (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) No, you're honestly such a great host. Like you're doing so good. Thank you. That well, my dad's going to cringe. You're doing so well. You're not supposed to say you're doing good. You're doing so oh, well. Yeah. You're doing so well. You're doing very well. Okay, so I am Steph Harlock, and I am born and raised from up here in this neck of the woods in northern Alberta, um, near in the Peace River area. And right now I live just outside of Nampa with my husband, and uh, we work on his family's farm and also sell canola seed too. So 
that's my life. And then in any of my spare time, I am with the horses or with the pod squad doing horse poor podcasting stuff. We're together <laughs> all the time. Literally. If we're not together, we're chatting. Yeah. yeah. Our group chat Facebook. is lit. Like we have like how many group chats? Probably like 20. Too many. Oh, different ones. More now. That's how we try to stay organized. We're like the merch group chat, Instagram group chat. <laughs> And then for like our different yeah. guests. Yeah. And then we have a receipt group chat and it was like, no one is supposed to talk on it. Like at all. Like it was just for receipts of the podcast. But then I ended up sending like a bunch of like monkeys pooping on it. Basically <laughs> just everyone off. So that'll start off Nadine's yeah. uh, introduction really so, well. <laughs> I'm Nadine. Uh, I go by Deaner. I love a good poop joke. Those are my favorite in the whole wide world. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I am 26. I'm originally from Lacklavish, Alberta. So a small town, two hours north of Edmonton. Uh, I got into horses. Uh, my parents put me into riding lessons when I was like four years old and couldn't get me off a horse. Uh, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am a lash tech. So I uh, do eyelashes and I own my own business called Dally Lash Co. And I'm super busy with that, but I also wanted to expand what I know. So I'm actually also in hair school right now. So trying to balance hair, <laughs> podcasting, a full-time job, and riding my horses. <laughs> I seriously don't know how she does it all. Crack. Just kidding. <laughs> Get it, <Edward. laughs> Totally kidding. No. <laughs> you don't sleep, do you? Oh, no, she doesn't. <laughs> Barely. Like, I work till, like, 1230 and then I'm doing lashes at like 6am tomorrow so it's just crazy and then school all day and then lashing all night so it's a little bit crazy but yeah that's kind of my life I'm just flying by the seat of my pants all the time you're still young that's why you can yeah you're like cracking up into the thing yeah I'm like man I need to go to bed at 10 if I want to get up at six (laughs) you're getting to that age yeah and I'm pregnant. I have an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pregnant people sleep a lot, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. They need to. <laughs> You're growing another human being. You need that extra sleep. Exactly. Yeah. You have a little alien in your belly. Yeah. Extra sleep and extra food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, tell us about you there, Stevie. Yeah. So I was actually, I was born in Sundry and I lived there until I think we moved up when I was about five up to this Nampa, Harmon Valley area. And um, yeah, I, as far, as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to ride horses. I think cause my cousins rode horses and I was just obsessed. So um, yeah, now I'm just, me and Landon, my husband, we have a dog boarding kennel. So I do that. And when, when I have my spare time, like in between feeding dogs and cleaning up poop, I ride. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nadine loves the poop. <laughs> I can't do dog poop. Did you get hurt if I'm cleaning your pen? No, I bad. should. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to pay me a lot of money. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So um, I ride as much as I can, trying to like build up a little herd of good barrel horses and maybe some breeding here now so human breeding or, or horse breeding <laughs> well I guess both at the same time yeah yeah <laughs> lots of horses and we'll take the humans one at a time yeah nice yeah so Stevie question for you um are you still riding right now or are you taking a little bit of a break yes I am still riding yeah I, I don't know. I'm going to ride as long as I feel comfortable riding and 
so far, I don't really feel much difference. You don't so. even really look pregnant. Yeah. Looks like you ate a bacon chip. Yeah, it just baby. looks like I have a food baby all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> I just know like some people are very like, it's very like half and half. Some are like, no, yeah. not at all. And some people are like, yeah. what are you talking about? I'm going to give birth on my horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Like, and I know my horses really well. Like if they're going to be kind of sketchy, I can... I can read them pretty well, so I know before you get on. If it's yeah, usually yeah, I know before, long before. So if I get on and something bad happens, like usually I'm like I shouldn't have got on. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Okay. So I want to talk about the podcast first because I find I love it. I've been a fan of it for a very long time. Um. Oh, but awesome. you guys, you guys always say that it's not hard to tell ask horse girls to do more stuff when it comes to horses but yeah. how did the conversation about the podcast start and where did it kind of originate from her Steph <laughs> Steph H. Steph H. I think yeah. I think in like 20 would have been 2019 maybe a little bit of 2018 I feel like we all started listening to podcasts but it more. was all like you're the reason I started listening to podcasts. Yeah, like, like I've listened I've, to this one, listen to this one. Like I know I love <laughs> once I got into podcasts, I just like loved them. And I was like, oh, there's so many out here. But then of course I am super passionate about horses. And there's a few in the horse um, genre, but not not that many. So I was like, hey, you know what? There's a little bit of a gap here. It would be fun. And yeah, I kind of sent out a text to a few <laughs> members of the ride tribe and these are the two that were actually crazy enough to yeah, crazy enough, <laughs> come enough, along on this journey I guess yeah and then we got to work on it but it's yeah I mean we've done a lot of things in a in the last year if you really think about it we have honestly like if we, if we paid ourselves out for like how much we worked on it we'd, we'd probably be, be millionaires yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no I remember sitting it was almost around this time last year we we're having so. Chinese food and we we're sitting there and making a list of people that we wanted to reach out to and we called Wacy from Cowboy Shit and we're like how do we start a podcast or like sitting in a pub at because <laughs> Cole knew him yeah. so he called him yeah <clears throat> yeah we were sitting in a pub in Peace River and we're like let's do it and yeah it kind of yep made its way from there Mm-hmm. but yeah I think at the beginning yeah maybe before we decided to go for it we made that list and then we started reaching out to you know 15 people and everyone was like oh my gosh yes I'd love that mm-hmm. like what a good idea we got yeah. a really good feedback so I think that's why we pushed yeah. forward yeah. yeah most people that we reached out to were like you actually want to interview us like are you serious yeah, couldn't like believe you it. couldn't believe it and I was like you want to talk to us like I <laughs> <laughs> can't believe it yeah but no it was actually like everyone in our community that we reached out to has been super welcoming mm-hmm. and like so like forthcoming with the knowledge that they gave us and for free like you know what I mean it's like we can ask them any question pick their brain for however long sometimes yeah. it's three hours and they're like yeah, oh, that's yeah. Fine. but yeah no so it's been awesome it's interesting because like I know my process and I know Dayton's process when we sit down and we want to talk to somebody but like what's your guys's kind of process when you want to like ask these questions because you have an organic conversation that comes out of it, but then you also have like the questions you go in and you're like, I want to know this, this must be. (laughs) Well, it was kind of a trial and error kind of thing. Like when we first started, we had these outlines and they were like, the questions were like five sentences long. And it was like, we needed them to be perfect and a perfect flow. And it was like, we, 
if they answered the question, we wouldn't really talk back. We'd be like, okay, next question. Like we have yeah. to ask the next question. And it would sound like it was read off of a paper maybe. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So we were like, nervous at the beginning. So nervous. And then, so now we kind of progressed into like just doing like jot point form kind of bulletin points. Like we broke it down into topics and have some, some points. Like some of them are sentences sometimes, but yeah. uh, we did that just so we can have more of a natural conversation mm-hmm. but it definitely took but then, a while yeah and then we still like we have all the stuff we want to talk about so we don't miss anything yes but yeah a little more and usually though. yeah we do send it to them the day or a couple mm-hmm. days before mm-hmm. some people are okay with winging it but I would say 95% of people like really yeah. want those questions just so they can think about it a little bit yeah I know like with mine and I didn't do it with you guys and I probably should have um but I sent a questionnaire beforehand and it's like yeah, I, cool. get, I get that background information on them so I don't 100 hmm. percent ask questions like you do but I do get oh. information that you know you might not be able to find because not everybody has articles out there written about them that you can just yeah. go and search up. Yeah, yeah that is a good idea. Yeah what I thought was really cool about your podcast too especially with Katrina is that your conversation just flowed so well like it was mm-hmm. so like it's not like you sat down and said okay well now I want to know this and we're going to go into a totally different part of the conversation it just everything flowed so well so it was really cool to listen mm-hmm. to that because I was wondering too I was like does she have an outline like does she have yeah. this? Like, how did she do that like it was it was awesome and it's harder with one person too right like with the three of us if one person's not talking then I usually jump in <laughs> <laughs> but- <laughs> Even so, if someone wants to talk, I usually <laughs> jump in. I can't. I just got a big fat mouth. But yeah, no, it's just uh, that's. It's really cool how you can do that, though. We've had guests before say, "Okay, wait, you interrupted me. I'm going back. <laughs> just start over." Yeah, yeah. Nadine, so, you and Dayton would get along. You just gotta talk and get every word out in five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Dayton have started like while we're interviewing, we do it here. And in the time we've had after the ninth, I think we've been in the same spot for like 10 days. Oh, yeah. We've been doing it for a year and a half. And we text each other during the interview. And I'm like, okay, I have a question I want to ask. You need to. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, we do that too. Or like, we'll like just put our hand up. We got a question. (laughs) My husband was actually asking this morning. He's like, is there chuck wagons in the states and i was like yeah i'm not too sure is there there was um i know that one of the associations actually folded in 2019 okay that was the last association i knew of um but i mean i'm sure there i'm sure there's small little community associations but it's mostly a Canadian thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's mostly a Canadian sport, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is, and I I think it's really cool because our heritage is so in it, right? Like yeah. it's very changed. But then it's cool because there's so many connections within the wagons to barrel racing and to yeah. I mean other rodeo sports and to hockey and like mm-hmm. this one yeah. sport has ten thousand connections but it gets overlooked. It does. Yeah, you are so right. So, and that's how we connected because Katrina came on and yeah. talked about barrels and then I got to talk to the barrel racing girls. So I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy girl. Yeah. 
So I guess let's kind of talk about uh, now that we're on like the topic of barrel racing and struggles and everything this year with COVID-19, what was that like for you guys? Because you all competed and then you're also running a podcast. Plus you guys were selling merch. Plus like, honestly, I don't know how you guys didn't lose your minds, but anyways, that's just me. So (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) We forget a lot of things. Like we like actually said, like, maybe we should actually have minutes for our meeting yeah. <laughs> because we have no idea what we've done we need to write things down yeah. literally yeah. yeah i mean we're all like lucky in the sense that you know we're out of town mm-hmm. so i think i can speak for all of us when maybe we felt a little less affected from it at our home life your work life was really affected mine i like lost like five months of work and, and when it was too yeah yeah and when it happened i was actually so i've always wanted to go to arizona like that has been my goal um, and then one of the guys uh, that Cole rides bulls with, his girlfriend uh, was down with his mom, if that even makes sense. Sonna Marks, uh, she was down there and she has a house down there. So Cole's like, for your birthday, I'm buying you a trip to Arizona and you're going to go and you're going to live your dream that you wanted to and go to some barrel races <laughs> and ride with all these girls. And I'm like, oh my God, like my bags are packed. Like you guys are so pumped. And I was just like ready to rock. And then as soon as my plane lands, the terminal next to me, got um shut down and everyone had to get isolated because there was a COVID outbreak and I was like what's COVID but okay I'm still going barrel racing right like this is fine like everything's fine and so I went to two barrel races and then everything shut down and I couldn't we couldn't even go to a restaurant like there is nothing open down there so I was just like of course the one time I go on a vacation in five (laughs) years there's a pandemic (laughs) Where in Arizona that affected my barrel racing down there for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where in Arizona did you go? I was in Maricopa. Um, so just outside of Maricopa, there's a, a little community and it's literally called Little Canada because it's all like Canadian barrel racers that are down there and like they all have their own arenas. Like it is so cool. Like you could walk into like the dollar store there because that's like kind of their grocery store, liquor store kind of deal. So of course it's bumping with the cowboys and cowgirls. And there's people that have gone in the NFR, you just bump into them and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, I, got, I should have brought my podcast equipment. Like, <laughs> but yeah, that's what happened when I, when I first came, um, came back, I couldn't work. So I wasn't working for like five months. It was hard for sure. Yeah. We did do a lot of podcasting. We mm-hmm. did do a lot of podcasting. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, but for, when it came to barrel racing, like kind of going back to your question, um, our community up here was like very like, I guess like resilient in a sense that they didn't want to give up the barrel racing. So we had these backyard barrel races, which <laughs> they were in the middle of a town. <laughs> but like in Fairview, like there was like what, like 20 trailers and we're just like, ah, but they had all together it was fine yeah we never got recorded once so it was great people are probably like let those crazy ladies go around this weekend (laughs) yeah so we were able to still get quite a bit of barrel racing in but yeah so it wasn't too too bad we still i feel like the barrel racing didn't really start until august like there was maybe the odd jackpot at fairview but it was like all, um, or, you know, by the guidelines, it was yeah. time slotted. So people had to get creative, but honestly, that wasn't bad. I like the change in that sense. Me too. And I, I liked, really liked um, sending your payment by e-transfer beforehand. Then you don't have to remember to bring cash because I forgot it half the time. Anyways. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel like the last couple months we have been able to barrel race. Now it's 
all the arenas are posting their new stipulations for the next little while now, but it's yeah. winter. Yeah. And your business was quite effective. Yeah. During yeah. During the beginning, cause everyone quit, like everything was shut down. So no one was going on their holidays. Everything was canceled. So the first couple of months, yeah, we didn't really have many dogs. And even now, like with this second wave going on, like everyone's canceling their Christmas holidays yeah. and yeah. Quiet. Yeah, it's a little quiet. Yeah. So what you're saying is, if I go up to Dawson Creek to see my brother, that I can just give you my dog. And... Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a little detour. <laughs> but... Love that. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Just a quick detour, but here's Tink. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not that big a detour to go to Dawson. Not really. No, because you would come up to Valley View. Honestly, <laughs> it's so crazy, and I was so pumped. Like. This was my year. Well, actually, my mayor went to training for like, she's supposed to be in there for 60 days when I was in Arizona. And I was like, okay, we're coming back and we're going to kill it. And then we came back and it was like, like absolutely <laughs> nothing. I was just like, wow, this is my training. Through the entire summer and somehow at the end of the summer, you got a new horse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, this is a tip to your listeners. If you want a new horse, bring your dad and mom <laughs> to a big maturity and they're like, why aren't you riding here? All your friends are riding here. You're like, I don't know, my horse isn't ready yet. And they're like, well, we're buying you a new one. You're like, okay. <laughs> no, but it was like a long time coming that yeah. I, I needed something that I could get on and have fun again because I wasn't really having fun at barrel races anymore. Like I wasn't sure if I was going to leave the arena in the dirt or on in a saddle so yeah it was getting to that point where I'm like I need to build my confidence back up and now that I did get him and like even the small amount of rides I've had on him um my confidence is already up mm. higher on cash and I feel way better on her now and yeah. sometimes you just need to spend a little money and do that because in like over five six years I've only ever spent five hundred dollars on horses <laughs> so this time to she was due over. for a new one I was due yeah so let's talk about like you know getting that confidence and being confident while you ride because I mean we talk a lot about the outriders and how most of the times they can either get thoroughbreds that are basically like NASCAR racehorses they're built they're perfect they're ready or they get donkeys and they got to figure out how to ride them but yeah. for you guys sometimes it can be the same so how do you build that confidence and how can you ride kind of both styles I'll start off with this one. Um, build your confidence by finding a group of people that you can really connect with because they're going to tell you what you're doing right. It is so easy to watch your video and be like, man, like, what did I do wrong? Like, I am riding like a sack of potatoes. But you know what? These girls are going to be like, no, like you did this right. You did this right. You did this right. And you know, you don't notice those small victories you have. So it's really important to have a really good group of girls behind mm -hmm. you or men, like whatever you, whoever your, your friend group is um, behind you in order to build you up as well, because it's really hard to look at, it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror and give yourself compliments, right? Like who does that? Yeah. I know I don't, like, I know my friends give me compliments, like, you know, yeah. so it's important to have a really good support system behind you to keep growing. Good answer there, Nadine. No kidding. Cool. <laughs> what about you guys? What do you think? Um, I would say, yeah, just 
forget about the pride like if you're feeling too proud to go ask for help because I know like with me with um Joe when I was first starting her I was like I gotta do it all myself like I'm not a good rider unless I can do it myself but mm -hmm. and I like struggled hard with her for a couple of years like I'm talking she would fuck with me every ride and it would usually end in tears and me thinking like I don't deserve this horse I can't do anything but yeah it wasn't until like I actually was like okay I need to go get help and then yeah you can build up your confidence get help and try it again and then yeah if you come to another hurdle like don't be afraid to go get help <laughs> yeah that's actually really true because yeah. there's a stigma behind mm -hmm. it right like people are like oh if you're not like you gotta train your own horse yourself yeah. and blah 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 and it's like no you yeah. can never stop learning exactly yeah. like even we talked to d and she's like i'm still going and learning like you can't ever stop learning mm -hmm. and it like you can learn from everyone right oh of course like I like going and taking lessons with English riders or mm. rainers or like different disciplines because in a sense, your horse is going to get more broke, but you can get more confidence and find a style that suits you. Cause maybe you are, you want to be more upright and like an English rider and you feel more comfortable in that position. Like when I first started riding Western, I was always upright. And now I'm like, I'm a lot more like chill and low, but it's just finding that comfortability. Mm. And when you're comfortable, you're going to be confident. Well, you guys knocked it out of the park with that one. So I'm going to leave it at that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a good one to ask this question to because I'm not really a cowgirl up kind of person. If a horse is is going to be a donkey or be bad, I'm going to listen for sale. <laughs> yeah, maybe me and Nadine just have a problem. Yeah, you get addicted. You're like, you know what? Like this horse is going to be good one day. I had a dream about it. It's going to be fun. God was talking to me. Just kidding. You know like, Oh, on the wagon side of things sometimes it is those jackass horses that are the best ones right and it's yes. yeah barrels too probably yeah. yeah and you do learn lots from them right yeah i think that um with how stiff the competition is like with barrels and maybe this is like with chucks too um you almost put your horse in a time limit and you're like if my horse isn't running by seven he's not going to make it mm -hmm. like, you know, cause all these horses you, you watch Facebook videos and stuff and they're running and killing it as like yeah. five-year-olds, six-year-olds. So you're like, my horse is seven or eight and still not running the pattern. Like this horse is a canner, like I'm done, you know, but it, you're going to have to strip that away and almost take a step away and run your own race in a sense where it doesn't matter how old your horse is. It doesn't matter where you got your horse from. It doesn't matter the bloodlines. If your horse is doing what you want it to do and you're happy and you're comfortable and you're having fun, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. It's funny you mentioned bloodlines because I actually, I texted Dayton yesterday and I said, hey, I'm having this interview. I'm having this conversation. Like, what's your thought on bloodlines? And he's like, you know my thoughts. And I went, okay, but I need you to like expand, please. And <laughs> I don't look at bloodlines I look at the horse but then listening to you guys it's different when it comes to barrels because bloodlines are such a big thing and it, for me I find it almost interesting because it's like okay well maybe for wagons it's not because it's a team sport but yeah. barrels one horse can mean going home with money or you're packing up and going home and maybe taking a weekend off because you can't travel to the next event Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly 
Yeah, I think the papers are definitely a big thing in the barrel racing industry. I was I was curious as we were talking about that too, if if it was a big thing in the chuck wagons. So would you say that that most of most of the time most people have have that thought on it? Like it's not really a, a make or break thing? I mean, it depends on the driver. Every driver is different yeah. from what they've said. I mean, like yeah. listening to Katrina's interview the other day. Cody went in and asked, what's the rankest horse you have? So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if bloodlines are as big. I mean, we have some really high-end horses in the wagons. Mm-hmm. And we have some horses that, I mean, they ran amazing races and they've come off the track and they have stellar reputations and everything, but maybe they weren't meant to be a barrel horse because they Mm -hmm. didn't want that life. And so I think that's the thing, right? And I think with your guys' horses, they love to be barrel horses. They love to do that pattern. They love to do that ride. So maybe that's where the give and take about bloodlines is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so I kind of have like um so we used to board our horses uh at a reigning barn, and this guy would get on his two-year-old and he would get on them, and he, the first ride ever, that horse would have a sliding stop. I remember he turned to me and looked at me and said, That's bloodlines. It's crazy. Like sometimes some of those horses just are bred into that and mm-hmm. love their job and like that's all they know and I don't know it's just kind of like how people are I guess right like we all have certain traits from our families mm-hmm. and whatnot like I know my dad like because he's a straight up hockey guy he's just like you know I don't know about bloodlines because so-and-so is an NHL hockey player and his son didn't make the NHL so I don't know I think it's <laughs> a little crap and I'm like no <laughs> it's not because some horses are given ca- talents like um say like, so my, my horse, I just bought, he has a short back and he actually was a stallion for a few years. And all of his horses that, um, that are like his offspring all have like the short back, low hawk, like very athletic looking. And so that's going to help them in the barrel, like barrel horse world. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it definitely has to play with like the confirmation as well that helps them be dominant in that Mm -hmm. kind of sport. And not to say like that, a horse without fancy bloodlines can't be a good barrel horse. Like oh, there no. are plenty oh, out yeah. there. All, most but, of our horses don't yeah. even have papers. Like, but if yeah. you're like specifically looking for like a young prospect that hasn't even been started yet or ran yet, I think your chances are going to be way higher if you do go for the ones that are come from proven parents. Yeah, up the odds a lot. And it's yeah. a very, like when you go to a ABRA finals, the Alberta Barrel Racing finals, there's 800 open entries like there that's a lot of girls mm-hmm. and so it is if you want to be competitive I guess it's yeah. something that people seem to consider these days but yeah. well, I have I have one out of my pen that I think she's you know just as athletic and quick as mm-hmm. my very well-bred horse and I don't really recognize anything on her paper she's out of my high school rodeo horse, uh, high school rodeo mare that I bought back from way back in the day but yeah she's nothing fancy but she's special so yeah yeah definitely can go both ways I think so and barrel um, racing too I think a big thing with barrel racing too is we have our incentive races so we have the super stakes and the CBHI so people 
want a taste of that money, right? Like they, like that's my dad, he saw that. He's like, well, we one of those horses. And I was like, yeah. yeah and they're handing out 30, $40,000 checks at the CPHI. Yeah. And yes. So that, that is, that's cool. That is a big factor into bloodlines too, is people want to get a taste of that money. People who don't even have anything to do with horses, they'll buy a horse like that <laughs> and then send it to a jockey and then they'll run it. Right. And that happens with quite a few girls. And that's just, they, that, they are bred to be in that race. So a lot of people will buy them because of that. Yeah. And that's the difference I think because between barrels and checks is we don't breed for check wagons. Yes. They breed for the racetrack. Yeah. And from the racetrack is where they find a new home. But for a lot of barrel horses, yes, some do come off the racetrack, but a lot are bred for barrels. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And okay. so um, is there some... Like are some of the horses, maybe Katrina talked about this too. I didn't listen to the whole interview yet. Um, but are they mostly all thoroughbreds or are they a little bit of like racing quarter horses lines as well? All thoroughbreds. All thoroughbreds. They're all off the thoroughbred racetrack across North America. So some guys will drive down to like, um, I guess one of our drivers uh, drove down to California this year and brought back a trailer yeah. full of horses and that. But they yeah. they watch the thoroughbred races yeah. what um what's the vibe in the chuck wagon world right now with everything you're asking us about the whole covid <laughs> thing what's the vibe there um i'm not 100 percent sure uh last year all of our races were canceled but yeah. there was a charity fun run had held in saskatchewan um so it was held mostly in saskatchewan and then dewberry alberta so there were guys from that area that came out and they raced and it was from both associations, the CPCA and the WPCA. And it was a fun event, but now it's just, I guess, waiting and seeing what the next six yeah. months brings. And yeah. unfortunately, Calgary is gonna be kind of a big staple. If Calgary cancels, then what yeah. happens after that will totally depend. Mm -hmm. um, and there were big changes made this year at Calgary, which mm -hmm. they can either go really good for the sport or they can go really bad and time will tell. Yes. Yes. Time will tell. It's crazy how uncertain it all is right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for a lot of our listeners, they might not know the lingo you talk about when it comes to the different races and stakes and fraternities and all that. So do you mind explaining that? Cause I mean, a lot of the times barrels and chucks are at the same events, but half the time we don't know anything about the other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, so we are amateur barrel racers. So up here in the north, our amateur rodeo association would be the WRA. So the Wild Rose Rodeo Association. Down in central Alberta, it's the LRA. So the Lakeland Rodeo Association. And then I think there's FCA, FCA and CCA down farther south as well. Um, so that's kind of the rodeo. I think usually the chuck wagons would be in the pro rodeo circuit, like the CPRA, the Canadian pro rodeo, um, and the WPRA races and stuff. Um, but then you get into, so that's all the rodeo scene, but then a lot of, a lot of the people we talk to are maturity trainers and riders. And that's where a lot of the big money is these days. So in Canada, we kind of have two big incentives. There's the Canadian barrel horse incentive, and then there's also Western fortunes. 
So stallion owners and breeders can nominate their stallion into these programs. I think they have to pay yearly. And then um, those programs, you know, they have a little bit of money to work with to put out to these races. And I guess the, the big one in Pinocchio is called the Super Stakes Race. And what they do is all those stallion owners that are entered up into the Canadian Barrel Horse Incentive, enter the ones that want to enter their horse into a stallion auction, which goes on in February. So you online bid on uh, the stud fee, the semen. And um, so this year it will be 2020. So all the money from that auction will go into the big pot in 2025 because, or 2026, because the horses bred with that semen will get to run for all that money as a, uh, well, they could be four or five. I yeah, guess, four I or guess. five they can run, yeah. Yeah, so the Futurity is in Canada here, typically ages four or five. And I believe you can just do Futurity for one year. Yeah. I'm spewing off a lot of information. I hope it's <laughs> accurate, but don't yeah. quote me 100%. And then uh, Derby years. Um, up until they're seven. Up until they're seven. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, there's And there is super stakes money for... Like if you are do have a super stakes horse, there is derby money as well, just not as much as futurity. Yeah, yeah. You killed it. Did yeah, I did good job. Yeah. <laughs> but you can like you don't have to have your horse in those incentives to futurity. You can futurity anything. Like it can be a grade horse, no papers, but you just have to have um, their age verified by a vet to enter any of the Canadian futurities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the big one is in Pinoka. Uh, there's some in Claire's home. Um, where else is there? The Big Bang is another new big one that's going to be the Sundry Pro Rodeo Grounds next year. There's um, one or two in BC. BC up here in uh, Dawson Creekhead Trash Can. Yeah. This year, there's there seems to be quite there's a few. It's getting of them. to be yeah. more and more. Yeah. And then they do have like a high point at the end of the season. Like the um, standings. Yeah, they do standings with all the Canadian futurities and have five points. Yes, it is very expensive to enter those. So <laughs> if you are going to enter, like most of these girls are super competitive. So it's a very, very tough, tough pen of girls to run mm -hmm. against. And especially this year, like the times that we're running, uh, getting run in Pinocchio are like the top times that it has ever been. Ever because... been. Because yeah, people are not <laughs> not rodeoing yeah lots of pro rodeo girls too yeah 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 yeah, yeah. a lot of the pros do that it's <laughs> fun though because you run against them and you can kind of compare like where you are compared to all these girls mm -hmm. exactly that's what yeah. i think is so cool but i could just go and watch the bloodlines because you usually get a program that tells you how the horse is bred <laughs> the little granny over here yeah. she has her little pamphlet and pen paper <laughs> and she writes down all of her times i'm like oh big stride on that one like yeah. i just love watching the horses and the trainers and the jockeys mm -hmm. i love entering too but i i'm just as happy to sit there and have a caesar and watch <laughs> <laughs> what i love about like barrel racing is you do get to see them do the sport at a younger age yeah, see them basically grow up from a colt into the athlete and it's very interesting because when we get horses sometimes they're three four five six so they've passed that point and now they're on to their second career so I think that's really interesting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it is really cool watching some horses grow we'll get to watch barbie grow and we get to watch um fame and d grow so that'll be really cool yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it seems like our whole group of friends kind of has lots of young ones coming up. Some up and comers, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I got a really important question for you guys. <laughs> have you been to a check wagon race? And if you have, what is your favorite memory? Oh, I love Kanoka. Oh my gosh, we used to live there. <laughs> and uh honestly, the funnest time I think is just sitting in the stands and betting on like which horses you think are gonna win. Like Cole always goes for the gray team he's like the gray team is gonna win those are always the fastest horses and I'm like no like I'm sorrel 100% so if I see like a sorrel team in with like all white get up I'm like yep they're gonna win and so we always bet like we'll bet like well like toonies and toonies and loonies with each other and like his grandpa and grandma and like yeah it's just super fun then you get to like sit along the um sit along the track and you're just hanging out and watching the horses run by. And I think that was really cool. I really like living in Pinoca and experiencing the Pinoca stampede. So hopefully we can do that, that again. Be, yeah. Be a good one. Actually, it's funny about the grays because my mom is the same as Cole. Really? <laughs> a gray team pulls up and my mom's like, oh, there's a gray. They're going to be faster. <laughs> She'll see one of like the drivers that she's grown up watching and she's like, oh, Jason's got his grays on. He's going to do well. And I'm like, <laughs> Mom, there's how many other horses on the track? <laughs> like, okay. That's so funny. Yeah, Cole is like totally like if there's a gray, like you can't even, you're not even allowed to pick that team. Like That's I wanted so to pick funny. that team, but nope. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny. What about you guys? Funny, I guess funny chuck wagon memory. So my horse is like terrified of the chuck wagons. If I'm at the same event as Chuck Wagons, she has like a panic attack and she will not calm down. Like she shakes and she just, I don't know if it gets her, if it's like the wagon wheels, all the horses, what it is, but she just, it's just too much for her to handle. But I enjoy the Chuck Wagons and our most local rodeo, I guess would be the Grimshaw Stampede. And they always have uh, the Chuck Wagons and chariots and stuff there. I don't know if it's the professional association or not. Yes, I think that's the Western Chuckwagon Association. Oh, okay. So those are the ones that I've been to the most, I guess, but they always ran, because um, it is a pro rodeo, but they always run the local barrels along with the chucks on the Friday night. So we'd get to run the barrels and then we go and have drinks and enjoy the chuck wagons. And same thing, just everyone's, everyone <laughs> fills the stands that night in Grimshaw, I would say more so than yeah. for the rest yeah. of the rodeo. People love Chuckwagon. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like I haven't watched them that much other than the stampede a couple times. But I guess my memory is a little different. My uncle, Jay Conway, he does the chuck wagon trophies for the Calgary Stampede. And he I think he has a contract for the next two years. And so I was down visiting him in Montana and he was in the middle of molding one or whatever, putting one together. And it was just cool because like he had I, I don't know if he had one of the horses there and he had sent a couple other ones away. So it was like not all together, but it was just cool seeing the process of him building it. Yeah. Oh, those bronzes are beautiful. Yeah, I know. I Yeah, they're so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like um, Brian Glass during COVID decided that she was going to clean all of Jason's. So. <laughs> So here Brian was and she's like, 
with her toothbrush and she's like yeah. them and she's like all proud and she goes and shows Jason and she's like look what I did and he just <laughs> takes the hose and like sprays them down and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> in two seconds oh, that's so he's funny. like why'd you waste all yeah. that time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um so I, I just had to ask that because that was really for me that's interesting because like you guys said there's there's not the same interaction when it comes to some um, of the sports. And I mean, wagons are only at so many events because yeah. I think when I counted for an article I did, there was just under 82 drivers hmm. across okay. Canada. Or oh, that's wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so. insane. Yeah. And that's thoroughbreds. Now, if you go down to ponies and that there is yeah. more, yeah. but I still, we're not anywhere compared to the number of bull riders, bronc riders, yeah. barrel racers. Like mm -hmm. it just, it's so small compared, but like you said, somehow we can fill up the seats because there's fans. So yeah, oh, yeah. people love the chat. So um, is there a lot of like young up and comer drivers coming in or is it very common for people to like not have anything to do with track wagon racing and then become a track wagon driver? It depends. I mean, it's a very family oriented sport. And yeah. this is part of why I was very interested in getting you guys on because your guys' podcast is called Horse Poor. And if you listen to me and Jason talk, we always joke that you're not getting into wagon racing to make money. That's no. that, that's not how this process works. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know what horse poor is like. Yeah. Right? I think a little more so than us. It's like, yeah. we don't have all the horses, but yeah. Yeah, you guys, crazy. the chuck wagon guys have to take care of so many horses. And we know what it takes to keep our horses running and feeling good. And I, I can only imagine what it would take to keep a whole team feeling yeah. good. And those horses are treated like, top-notch athletes right so it's not like they're just getting like bad hay or whatever they're not they're getting mm -hmm. the top of everything they're getting treatments they're getting all that kind of stuff like the we, work, we yeah. heard about how many awesome stories from Cooley Equine uh, yeah. with Chuck Wagon horses so that's like really cool but frick I couldn't even imagine the bills on those horses Nadine's <laughs> <laughs> oh, like my head hurts already <laughs> literally <laughs> Well, okay, so do you mind if I ask you this? How much does it cost you guys to go down the road? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's another thing I don't keep track of because I don't want to know. Yeah. Oh, it is expensive, but I found like we try to make ways to like cut costs though here and there, like traveling with each other. Um, like for me, a typical weekend, so say our entry fee is $60, right? Like I haven't been traveling that far. I, $60 a day if you're going to a jackpot yes. at least. So it's going to be $120 of entries. It's going to be, you know, $100, $150 of fuel. Yes. Then we, we're really bad. We say we're going to pack our snacks and stuff, but we end up eating out because <laughs> we Google like, what's, what's the, the best, best restaurant exactly. in Claire's home? And then we got to try the Every place one. and the Greek place. And Maybe twice or three times. <laughs> the yeah. coffee shop. Yeah. So yeah, we're a little bit bad at budgeting. I, you know what? I really should keep track, you know, yearly, what you spend on supplements. Maybe I'll do that this year. I'm in our still books. not What you spend on supplements, what you spend on vet bills. Like, I mean, I probably on, on a barrel horse, like you probably spend three to $5,000 on vet stuff a year. 
more than that more than that yeah and then just all their special supplements and joint supplements and teeth you know all that stuff it just yeah the year like we were talking about it was probably two grand at least each for us to go down to Clay's home for a week yeah well, we hung out there for like two. We kind of went on a little vacation. Yeah, we did. They went on a honeymoon. Okay, so for like a ten-day trip, yeah, it was at least. And two much. barrel race weekends and yeah, little yeah. coolie equine trips. And then stalls, like some places you go, you can't self-tan. You have to pay for stalls, and it all adds up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I can't imagine. I'm I'm scared for the future when we have like multiple barrel horses on the road because to try and run. <laughs> three is different than having, you know, three trail horses or whatever. And same with chuck wagons, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But when you're running them, they just require a little Especially bit extra futurities, like juice. Open and- entry fees are a lot less. Yeah. Futurities, yeah. for some yeah. reason, it's a little higher entry fee than an open or a rodeo entry. Yeah. Well, you're running for more money, so. Yeah. But then we need nice trucks and well, trailers, like big that, trucks to pull your trailer. That being said, I want to make a comment about that because I see a lot of posts of girls saying, I don't have an ugly horse trailer. I don't have a nice truck. I don't have this. Like, how do people afford it? It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. you have. If you have a rickety trailer, but it's safe for your horses and you have an older truck and it's safe for you, who cares? Yeah. You don't need to break the bank in order to barrel race. Like for me, I don't, I can't spend all this money on a big brand new truck and a big brand new trailer. I had the same trailer since I was like 12 years old. That's fine. Who cares? Yeah, like, me too. Like literally, like, <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like as long as it's safe, that's the thing, right? Like I get yearly maintenance on my trailer and all the time, like with the truck. So, but you still need a pickup truck. You do, but you, you know, well, I mean, you don't, you can hop in with people, but for the most part, you just need a safe truck. But it doesn't matter what it looks like yeah. or say like a saddle. Like I don't have a $5,000 saddle. My saddle was $1,500. And thankfully that's the only saddle that fit my horse, but I didn't break the bank on my saddle. My tack, I make most of it, or Cole makes most of my tack. Like, you don't need to break the bank in order to barrel race. Mm-hmm. So if, spend the money on what your horse needs and what's good for your horse. But if you also find a cheaper alternative and it still works for you, there's no shame in that as, mm-hmm. as well. No, not Like, at all. even up until now, I finally saved up to buy 11 quarters, which is, like, used. It's very old. So it, it wasn't that much, honestly. But um, up until now, I would just sleep in my truck when I went barrel racing. Yeah, I had a wonderful trailer. I used to do that too. I used to sleep and in my truck all the time. And it was nice and cozy and warm. Like, I actually, I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss sleeping in there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I never said that. I, would, I was always grumpy. I'm like, why is it light outside and it's early? <laughs> I really loved it, actually. Oh. Yeah, no, it doesn't, like if you're safe and you're no ever you're in good hands with your truck and your trailer like hop on down the road and enter Mm -hmm. it's funny you talk about that because like most of the wagon drivers their liners are built they build or they work on building for their horses because there's no there there's no pre-made all ready to go Chuck wagon, yeah, exactly. Chuck wagon trailer that's gonna have barns coming off the sides and uh, right everything yeah. they have. So I mean, it's interesting that it's interesting to say that. And I mean, on the same topic, I know people. I've seen people comment and say, "Oh, you know, chuck wagon drivers have semis and they have this and they have that." Well, some of the drivers are driving 1995 semis that are the same age. Yeah, as- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh sure. yeah. 
Yeah. Because all the money is going into the horses. It's not going into buying the mm-hmm. latest technology because yeah. at the end of the day, and it's the same with you guys, as long as your horses are comfortable and your horses are safe and your horses are cared for, mm-hmm. to hell if you're comfortable, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. In the truck. I have slept <laughs> on a saddle pad in your trailer before. Yeah, you have. On the yeah. floor of her trailer. Yeah. That's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> but that's the horses had fresh shade. Yeah, the horses had a more comfortable bed than me, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah no you don't you don't need everything to start off like even with us up north we have a uh what's it called an association called the nrr and they have too many jackpots like you could literally just go and enter them and there's like two dollars to enter this jackpot and you can just go and have some fun yeah like you don't have to like if you don't have to be entering the five maturities and spending all the money on that so like just adjusting like any listeners that you have that are just starting into barrel racing or are unsure how to get in like there are so many opportunities that aren't as expensive as we're going but we're going expensive because we've been there before already like we've and I'm still there sometimes where I enter just the toonie jackpots and that's just it yeah but um if you're just starting out like don't let anything hold you back like I pulled into a race in Pinoca and I saw all the beautiful big trailers and I had a borrowed truck and a shitty trailer and I just didn't even load my horse I just kept driving I was like I don't even deserve to be here like look at all these girls they have all this money and I just have this right but who cares? Go and have fun because you're going to make friends along the way. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because that's kind of the same with podcasting, right? Like when you start yeah. out a podcast, yeah. you're not going out and buying the $5,000 mixer that I mean, yeah. still a dream in my world, but yeah. Yeah. you're starting with Zoom and with, you know, hand-me-down equipment and all that sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess kind of now switching gears really randomly anyways. Um, <laughs> what was it like starting out the podcast for you guys? And what was kind of the biggest investment you had to make? I think Probably I remember. The, oh, the roadcaster. Yeah, yeah. Roadcaster. at the beginning. At the beginning, yeah. it was a roadcaster. So that's going to show you it. I'll try to show you. proud of it. It lights it's, up with it's colors. It's fun. It is cool. <laughs> oh, I, I know what it is that, yeah. This thing? Yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I know, because there is three of us, yeah, you know, it made just, it a little bit easier to make uh, an investment in some equipment. it was like equipment. a couple hundred each, right? Mm-hmm. A few hundred each, I think. Yeah. Or, oh no, this was 700. I think yeah. we spent like $1,200 getting our mics and cords and the Roadcaster and a hard split drive. Split the three of us. Yeah. Split three yeah. ways. Like, so we did have a few hundred dollar investment at least each. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we just did a lot of Googling, honestly, on how to edit, how to, yeah. and your, um, your brother helped us out with editing. Mm-hmm. He has helped us out quite a bit. He's a musician, mu- a musician, musician. <laughs> a musician, and he's like a sound guy. So he, he could help a lot. Yeah. 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 And our guests were super willing. So that made it easy. And just like you were saying earlier, it's, it's been amazing how many connections we've made. And that part has been really really cool yeah it was a lot of um just getting organized figuring out how to get organized but like we said the group chats and stuff where mm-hmm. we figured we just had to figure out how to be organized and then like now Nadine looks after most of the social media because that's a whole job on its own and if we were trying to like mix jobs it was just confusing so we mm-hmm. kind of figured out you know I do the editing Nadine does the social media social media stuff she does like our merch design and the photos 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that the the merchandise and the clothing and the online that store. Huge. That's the <laughs> next big project. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big learning curve. But I think uh, we've kind of got that figured out and we'll just see if it works out and if mm-hmm. we can continue to pursue it. Yeah. Pursue it. Because it's, it's a bit of work too. Yeah. But we'll see how it goes. I think another struggle too with like starting the podcast was if people are actually going to listen to this and actually listen to us and like being comfortable on the mic and making yeah. it actually for like quality content that people want to listen to. Like I you always worry about it. A little. Exactly. Like and um expanding on social media like I know even our friends were like oh my god you guys like all we see is horse forever like, <laughs> they, like they blocked us they blocked, yeah, us, for blocked us for like temporarily <laughs> yeah because she was so annoyed that um it is hard to like reach people like because you already have followers and they're like holy shit like okay I already know that you're doing a podcast like yeah. you're reminding us over and over but marketing it and pitching it to people that you don't know is a whole nother level in itself. You have to go hard with yes. it. Yeah. And we did, we went super hard with it at the beginning and we got a lot of followers right at the beginning because yeah. of how hard we went. Before we even had any episodes out really. Yeah, we like marketed it before, then we released, but when we released it, we made sure we had a couple episodes so people could listen and get a little bit hooked and then like ready mm-hmm. to listen to the next one. Um, and then, yeah, just constant promoting and trying to find new listeners and um, sharing things. Like, it's a lot of work and yeah. a lot of yeah. research, constant yeah. research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we feel so lucky that there's three of us. I actually went to school too for public relations and communications. And so, yeah, I don't like this. I'm finally actually using it. So, <laughs> big thumbs up there because, yeah, that's thousands of dollars as well, where it just. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, wait, I spent all this. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> Everything's fine. But I mean, that's really cool because you have the social media side. For us, social media is such a trial and error. And especially in the chuck wagon world, like there's so much out there when it comes to barrel racing social media, right? Mm-hmm. But wagons, we, there's not as much. And when there is, sometimes there can be a lot of people who just jump on. So, yes. Yeah. And no, it is tough. And it's, like even with our podcast too, like there's a lot of barrel horse podcasts out there, right? So to make ours a little bit different than everyone, um, that's also been a challenge because there's so many girls that are killing it with their marketing. Like mm-hmm. Mary Divorces has been around for how many years now? Yeah. Like they're like a staple in like the barrel horse mm-hmm. podcast world. So it's, and there's a bunch of new ones like the yeah. Money Barrels, super good. Yeah. yeah, lots of them are super good. So finding something that makes us a little bit different is kind of where mm-hmm. we're where we're trying, trying it out. Yeah. So from a fan side and a fan's perspective, but also a competitor, what could the Chucks do better to explain to you guys what we do, who we are and what's going on? Hmm. Something that I feel like barrel racing has been doing a little bit of a better job at, I mean, that's hard in COVID right now, but is like the live feeds of the races. Um, Just having more coverage maybe would get it, get it out there. Maybe there is there live feeds frequently. We did flow rodeo. um, Oh, yeah. But flow again is you have to pay and yeah, just to have live feeds on Facebook, like so many people tune in. But then that is, it's a free platform too. So it depends. Yeah. Yeah. What your goal is there. But 
yeah, just a little more coverage maybe. Hey, cause mm -hmm. I, I feel like you're right. Like it, it maybe gets undershadowed a, a little bit yeah. in the media end of things. I think even like glorifying, like what you guys are doing right now, glorifying the riders or the, the, the um, jockeys a little bit and everything, right? Like you guys are talking to these people and getting their names out there. Like I know with like the PBR and stuff, like after the show, they have um, the guys go up and do autographs and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, then there's a lot of fan interaction. So having that fan interaction and creating um, like, oh, this little boy was so excited. He got to meet his favorite uh, yeah. uh, driver today. Like, you know what I mean? And making those guys like as big as a hype as like the bull riders and the bronc riders. And like, you know what I mean? Like, cause I feel like even the barrel racers get overshadowed by them a little bit because like, they're just, they're, they're, they, they're at the end of the rodeo and they're so hot, like not, not physically hot, but like they make it like the fireworks and they have like, you know, like that kind of stuff, right? Like they have like the explosions and all that. So yeah. maybe adding like a little bit of pizzazz and a little bit more like building hype for the drivers and stuff. I think that would be pretty cool to see that. It's always interesting to hear. And uh, I love getting feedback on it because I mean, you guys are a part of it, but you are in a sport that is a little bit undershadowed too at times. So I really thank you for that feedback. Um, okay, my one last thing is barrel placement. Your guys' mm -hmm. favorite thing, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so in the wagons, we have, of course, the two barrels, figure eight, blah, blah, blah. And a big conversation that Dayton has with drivers is about the difference in barrel placement, your lines, um, and how tough the barrels are placed. How does barrel placement play in barrel racing? Because it's the same pattern, but I'm sure sometimes there's just slight variances that can cause a really good run or a really bad run. Mm -hmm. Definitely um, just have to be able to adjust to that pattern. I think a and lot know how that. to adjust your horse to it. Yeah. Well, a lot of the times like you'll go into an arena and sometimes the barrels are placed closer to the fence, right? And so your horse might not be used to driving right to a wall or a solid wall. And it's different. Like sometimes there's panels that make the arena and there's a crowd or sometimes there's a solid wall and not all horses are used to running in a solid wall. And so that really um, determines if your horse is going to run good or not in uh, how the bar barrels are placed. Some barrels are placed in a huge, big open arena and um, they're not even along the wall. So some horses might run up the wall a little bit, right? So run right past it. Run right past you have it. To know how to adjust. You do have to know how to adjust your horse, but also maybe finding places um, that have different settings. Like there's arenas here that have solid walls and arenas that don't have solid walls. So practicing barrels in both of those kinds of arenas um, can really help. Sometimes there's angled patterns, so you don't have the correct lineup for your first barrel when you come into the arena. And they are like, you have to kind of go in and do half a circle and then go. And some rodeos don't let you do a circle, so you kind of have to figure out how to, nav yeah, yeah. how to navigate your horse through that. And some horses get hot, so um, barrel placement is extremely important, uh, especially if you want to sell a horse too, like in Pinoca, that's like yeah. the biggest thing. Cause you know, you have the same pattern every single time, great ground. And that's consistent. Kind of, yes. That's how a lot of people gauge the yeah. horses is what time they run in Pinoca. Cause they know it's never changing conditions. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of how the barrel placement can, can go for sure can definitely affect the outcome of an event too. Like you see the horses that are very, very seasoned 
they can go in and they'll win whether the barrel has a fence to slow them down or it doesn't, mm -hmm. or if they have a long run in or they don't, mm -hmm. that's where you'll, yeah, really see where maybe the horses excel or the really seasoned ones will yeah. shine through and they can handle any setup. You'll also hear a lot of barrel horses <laughs> or barrel, you'll hear a lot of barrel horses talk. No, you'll hear a lot of owners <laughs> talk about um, my horse runs better inside than outside or outside than inside. Yeah. And that has to do with like the lighting and the barrel placements and, and what's on the walls and stuff. So there's also that like factor it's in barrel racing yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if the ground's uneven or if the barrel's in a hole and you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> or if the guy puts the barrel in the wrong spot. Oh yeah. That also <laughs> happened. That was bad. That was real bad. It was like... It was like two it was a, feet, it was off, a few the feet off the marker, yeah. and I think three girls had run, and yeah, had was, to rerun. Was not good. That was at Pinoca, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, but yeah. shit happens. Yeah. yeah. So my final question, uh, I guess, is going to be one that we talk about quite a few times on both after the ninth and women of the wagons, and we refer to it as your all-star horse. So. Uh, we always reference um, Logan Gorst. He has this all-star horse named Canadian Idol. It's his be-all, end-all. It's his horse that will retire with him. It's the horse he'll never let go because it's won him so much. Um, so do you guys have an all-star horse on your roster? The one that I have now would be the closest to my all-star <laughs> horse, just because I feel like she's my first, like, she was my first barrel horse that I purchased. Um, I took like a five-year hiatus after high school uh, from riding. And when I got back into it, I got a horse that was just pretty solid and I could go and kind of relearn the sport and have fun. And she's been just like the perfect horse to come along with. Mm -hmm. um, and we've, you know, we've started to win a little bit too. So that's, that's fun, but she's maybe working her way there to the, we're working our way to the all-star level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've had a couple that were completely not all stars, and I've had many broken bones. So. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> um, for me, Cash is a tough one because I I do love her, but she's just so difficult, and she just hasn't shown her potential yet. Even though I or she has shown potential, she hasn't shown her full capability yet. Even though I know it's in there, but with my new one, Corley. I haven't had him for very long, but uh, I think he has the potential to that be an all all-star. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he's going to be an all-star. And, and a part of it has to do, I think, with his name. Like there was a kind of a big sign that, that I got from him. And I am like a true believer in that kind of stuff. So um, my parents helped me buy this horse, as I already mentioned. And his name was Duramax, but I didn't want to name my horse Duramax. I don't drive a Duramax. And my mom was like, why would you name a horse after condoms? And I was like, that's not even the same thing, but okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and my mom doesn't ever talk about that kind of stuff. And so I was just like, yeah, no, there's no way I can name this horse that. And so because my, my, um, my parents helped me buy this horse, I wanted to name him something that really meant something to, to them as well. And my uncle passed away, like this is before I was born. It was a tragic accident. And that was my mom's baby brother. And his middle name was Corley. And, or no, sorry, his nickname, sorry. was His nickname was Corley. And uh, 
everything kind of in our childhood revolved around the name Coralie or we have like his stuff in our house and whatnot. So I thought like that might be nice to name him Coralie. I was like, or maybe I'll shorten his name to Max. But then I still thought about the condom comments. I was like, no. (laughs) So um, there was a race that uh, I entered the trainer in with him because I wasn't able to go down and get him. And uh, there was probably almost 200 horses entered in this, this race. And uh, my uncle's hockey number was number 77. And we've always had the number 77 in our house, like our hockey numbers. We have a framed jersey with the number 77. And the first uh, race that he was entered in, he drew the number 77 after we even were in a lakey and everything. So that was pretty special to me that he drew that. And I felt like that was a sign. So I have a feeling he's going to be my all-star. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And I love that. I love the meaning behind everything in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like the stars kind of all lined up with him. So I don't know. I'm betting my money on him. <laughs> Your mom just had to throw in that wrench about the condom comment. She oh yeah. That. She's going to be so mad. I told that story because she's like <laughs> not about those kind of conversations, but it's way too funny not to share. Cause yeah, I was on the phone. And I, was, I was like, yeah, I'm going to change his name. She's like, well, yeah. Why would you name a horse after condoms? I was like, <laughs> No, but nice try. <laughs> You're close, but no cigar on that one. So funny. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay, so mine would probably be Joe. Um, she's she was my first. I mean, I had barrel horses before, but like this is my first real barrel horse, I guess, and that I train myself. Um, yeah, we she's she's done some good races, but like she's had her ups and downs with health, like bleeding and all that. Um, so it just hasn't been smooth sailing, but I don't know. She's, she's one of those ones where, you know, the, the hard ones are going to be the better ones. So I'm sticking with that. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, she's no, she's shown really good potential. Um, and it's just putting it all together, but yeah. I'm going to give her a break next year. She's going to have a baby. Just like you. Yeah, just like me. (laughs) And then we're going to just pick it back up and she's going to come back hotter than she was before. (laughs) Yeah. Both of you. Yeah. (laughs) You guys are just going to grow together. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm bad because I talk about that and then I'm like, oh, but Thane's going to be an all-star and so is Dee. I get so attached. Like, I don't know. And she has a few young ones, like some yeah. really cool young ones coming up. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm world professional chuck wagon driver, Kurt Benzmiller. The hours of hard work and sweat it takes to be a champion can put your body to the test. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes you just need a chiropractor. Did you know that your chiropractor is specifically trained to help everything from neck strains to back adjustments to a foot sprain? Don't let pain get in the way of your goal towards the championship. Visit albertachiro.com for more information. Thank you so much for coming on, Nadine, Steph, and Steph. Yes, there's two Stephs if you didn't catch on to that. But that was such a fun interview to do. I love talking to you ladies. 
Of course, you have the alignment presented by the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. Don't let pain prevent you from reaching your goal to be a champion. If it hurts, see your local chiropractor and visit albertachiro.com to learn more about the adjustments that chiropractors have made in their clinics to ensure that their patients are safe and able to focus on feeling better. So the alignment there this week wasn't your typical Venus versus Mars alignment. It was more the alignment of what has changed with COVID, what kind of happened this summer, and how did they realign their lives? Nadine lost work and she ended up throwing herself into the podcast more. And that's kind of what happened there. But it was really cool to listen to like how they see Chuck Wagon racing. I love the story about the fact that Cole uh, picks gray horses every time they come out on the track. You guys have heard me talk about it before. That's what my mom does. I find it hysterical because uh, we've talked about it a little bit on After the Ninth. Gray horses get picked because they're a different color. They are the first color that someone's going to see when you look out on the track and there's a team of gray horses, your eye automatically is going to go to that horse. So it's kind of interesting to hear that, but it was fun to have that conversation. Um, and there was a lot in that interview that could be unpacked. I mean, the fact that these girls who are from a different sport want to get to know the drivers more are quite interesting because... Chuck wagon racing is this really cool sport. You have the horses, which are your team, your all-stars. They are what makes the sport. But then you have the drivers, who are your coach, your manager, your GM, your owner. Like, I mean, they fill so many hats. And then you have the family that is involved with the driver. And they are your support staff. They are your coaching assistants. They are your vets. They, they are everything. So it's interesting to see, you know, how another sport sees truck wagon racing. And I mean, we've heard about it with Chance Vegan. If the sport could, the drivers would love to be able to just go out and interact. But unfortunately, they can't. You can't just walk back and say, here's my horse. I'm going to go talk to fans because they want to make sure their horse is 100% every time. So, I mean, it's a catch-22 there, but that's what this podcast is for. It's for learning. It's for hearing people's ideas. And it is such a blast to be able to do some collaborations like this one. I have another one in mind that I want to do later down the road. So stay tuned for that. If you're wanting to hear more Chuck Wagon podcast content, you can check out After the Ninth and Outside the Wagon, both on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or check us out at afterthenineth.com. Of course, follow us on social media at After the Ninth on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And until next time, I'm Cass Patterson.